In today's episode, David Luberger returns to talk about how to create additional revenue streams in your business and then at the same time, actually create clients for life. So talk about a major win-win strategy. David is the founder of remodelforce.com. You may remember him from last episode. Uh, A great listen. I highly encourage you to go back and check that one out. That one is not necessarily a precursor to this one, so you can listen to them independently. But it was a fun conversation with him last time talking about some of the differences between new home building and remodeling. Anyway, uh, today, like I said, stands alone. David, to give you a little bit of a primer on him, is the owner of remodelforce.com. And there he has all kinds of programs, curricula, products, and I encourage you to check them all out. A few that are fascinating are one, this Clients for Life program. Uh, He also has a book on there called Managing the Emotional Homeowner. And he also has another program called Selling Your Why. And I think we're going to be doing another episode with David where he can explain a little bit of that program to us because I'm really curious to hear more about it. All right. Uh, without further delay, we'll get started. Thank you guys for listening. Let's talk a little bit about your program called uh, Creating Clients for Life. Sure. I know one of the central tenets of that program is this uh, annual home evaluation program. Can you tell us what that's all about? Yeah. And so, as I mentioned, I'm a former you know, building contractor. And really simply what I saw myself doing and what most contractors do, I'd finish a larger project, homeowner would be happy, we'd shake hands. And I would say, if I can assist you in the future, please let me know. And then I'd go out and start the sales process all over again with another client, building relationships, going through plans, development, doing their project. And so I refer to that as a project-driven, you know, business model, which when things are good like it is right now, you know, full speed ahead, it works really well. But in 2008, guess what? That changed. Uh, In a project-driven business model, you market your services, you've got a website, maybe some social media, job site signs. You let people know you're in the neighborhood, but at the end of the day, you still cross your fingers and hope the phone rings. Well, in you know, 2008, 2009, the phone stopped ringing. And the focus, and again, in my own business, I looked at this and said, you know, in a downturn, bigger projects are going to be pulled off the table. But if you look at what the HVAC industry has done, and, you know, heating and ventilation companies where they have annual service contracts, and they come in in the fall and service the furnace. They come in the spring, service the AC compressor. The customer pays an annual fee, and they focus on service. And what kind of flipped the switch for me is I was speaking with my HVAC contractor, and I said, how does that work for you? And he kind of smiled. He said, they work really well. And so you pay, you know, three to $400 if it's one furnace and AC, and maybe 600 if it's two, you know, multi-units. And I said, so over like an eight or 10 year period, what's that worth? And again, he smiled 
And he said, honestly, if I'm there with me for eight or 10 years, it can be worth 15 to $20,000. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, one, they're paying, you know, uh, an annual fee, but then in those visits, we're going to do repair because things happen and they become a preferred client, you know, when they're on our service agreement. But he said, secondly, you know, if a home is 10 years old or older, we will oftentimes then be replacing the equipment. So they'll be replacing the furnace, the AC compressor. So I said, how many of these agreements do you have? He said, 800 of these service agreements. So whether he's building new homes, whether he's selling whatever he's selling, he has a pipeline of potential clients through these service agreements. And then I also looked at what my dentist did. And I'll, I'll answer your question here momentarily where, you know, I go in twice a year for the dental checkups and they schedule. And the last time I went in, the dentist pointed out, gosh, you've got, you know, some dental work here. I think we're going to be doing two crowns over the next you know, couple of years. Let's spread it out. But I volunteered to go in and generate, you know, $3,800 worth of work for him. And I only have one set of teeth, so I'm okay with that. So I began looking at my clients, and I said that in almost every case, after a project, every client has a to-do list, every single one. So I introduced a new element, which is I went to a proactive warranty, meaning I went out at 90 days. And you can change this timeline. But I went out at 90 days after a project was done and I did a warranty walkthrough. And I just said, I'm coming by to make sure everything's working. And I would tell my client when they sold a contract, when they, you know, when we closed the contract, I'm going to be coming out at 90 days to review the work. I want to make sure everything's working. In addition, I'll come out at 11 months. I'll review the work to make sure everything is functioning the way it should. I discovered in each of those visits, number one, I'm invited back into the house. But number two, in one in four of those visits, people said, David, as long as you're here. And they would bring up some additional work that needed to be done. Now, it was smaller work. It was smaller projects. But I kind of compared that to the HVAC contractor. Because I know my clients over time, they'll have service work. But the reality is, They'll oftentimes not do it because, number one, they don't know who to call, they don't know who to trust, and they didn't know that I did this. So I began expanding that service offer, which is, look, let me help you with this. Number one, you know, we've got the experience, we know a great deal about your house, but number two, I've got a vetted list of trade contractors, plumber, electrician, roofer, painter. So if you ever have a house-related issue, let me know. You know, I don't want you to worry about finding the right person. I've already found them. So at the second warranty visit, I then said, you know, you've made a major investment. I just want to make sure your home's taken care of. I'll come out and do a free evaluation. It takes about an hour. I'll give you a list of recommendations to help you take care of your home. When can we schedule that appointment? Well, it's easy for a client to say, well, a month from now, whatever that date is. But they invite me back in. I go through a simple home inventory, review the working systems. And there's two key questions. When people aren't moving, I will ask, you know, if cost wasn't an issue, and it always is, but if it wasn't an issue, what else would you like to do with your home? And discovered in doing this that 80% of my past clients 
one year after a project was done, 80%, if they weren't moving, wanted to do additional work. And they told me what the project would be. So then I introduced two seasonal visits, a fall tune-up and a spring tune-up. And it is service work. But the point is, I looked at what HVAC contractors were doing. And I knew that if I had a relationship like they did, number one, I'm invited back into the house on a regular basis. But number two, if you do the small projects well, the big projects will follow. So this became a pipeline. And so just maintaining the relationship, that's why I call it, you know, client for life, which is going in and effectively helping my clients take care of their home. Now, there's a service element to this. But number one, when we did the evaluation, I would bundle whatever service work they needed so we didn't go anywhere for less than a day. So it was profitable. But number two, none of this was an emergency. So I could then look at this bundled work. I could look at my schedule and I could say, when are there open days where I could send someone over to do this? Because it works for my scheduling. It certainly works for the homeowner. And then discovered it grows. And it's not hard then to look at the opportunity of creating a service arm and um, it's not a handyman division. And so I really want to highlight that because as far as I'm concerned, this is asset management and you're helping your client manage their largest asset and you effectively become an advisor. So that was a long answer to your question. Yeah. Well, I've got a few clarifying questions because I think I'm understanding, but I want to make sure. So, so first of all, on kind of the, the monetary side of this, are you going out to these seasonal visits and doing them at no cost as a cost of doing business as kind of standard warranty procedure? And then you're just simply charging for the above and beyond stuff that they hire you for the, I think you referred to it as kind of the, oh, by the way stuff. Is that the way it works? Yeah. So in the beginning, when I was doing this, we had this inventory we did on the property. And I think we were charging 150 to 200 bucks and discovered about half of my clients said, you know, I don't need it. Remember, you know, this was after we'd done work for them. So I shifted the model and went to a no cost inventory as just part of our service. And then I went to my line item estimate and I added one half of 1% to my line item estimates in regards to those warranty visits. So if it was a $100,000 project, I'm adding a $500 estimate into my you know, line item estimate for warranty visits. Yeah. So I cover somebody to go out there and do that work. And I discovered when we did the evaluation and sat down with people to review the list of recommendations, and all I can tell you is everyone has a to-do list. And I can even ask you that, Jared, you know, on your house, do you yourself have a to-do list as we speak? Oh, definitely. And, and we all do. And so I discovered in the course of the evaluation, I'm not making this up, we had a 90% close rate. Yeah. Because you're giving people what they need. And that's the value proposition, which is let's put together a list and I'll take care of the entire list. And so suddenly they don't have to think about it. And you're good clients, those with discretionary income. When they have time, they don't want to work on their house. 
You know, they want to be with their kids. They want to go out. You know, they work too hard. Yeah. And so all you're doing is, you know, effectively becoming their advisor for any home-related issue. And um, went from, again, here is just this inventory that's part of the services we offer. But it just opens up because, number one, I'm not only reviewing the service list, which they do need help with because they really don't know who to trust. But number two, they're, they're sharing their wish list with me. And if I'm going out even once a year to assist with service items, I'm at the top of the list in regards to who's going to do that project just because of the relationship we have. They already know what we do. They already trust us. So my experience again and again is do the small projects well and the big projects follow. Okay. Um, on the legal side of this, I'm curious how you paper it up. Are you including this kind of service for life as part of your contract or because that seems like it's got some downside risk to me. If you, if you box yourself into saying that you're going to be out there twice a year for, you know, indefinitely, or is that something that you leave outside and it's just kind of a handshake, you know, ongoing agreement that you show up? How do you do that? So let's say that, um, we come out and I do uh, a fall visit for you now, Jared. Uh-huh. So we're going to put together a to-do list. I'm going to put together, you know, a list of things you want done. And I'm just going to charge you by the day. So now if I'm doing service work, I'm charging you for that work, but it's on a daily rate. Got it. Yeah. So when I finish the service work, here we are, you know, mid-November. As I leave, I'm going to say, by the way, you know, your home's ready for the winter now, Jared. You're ready to go. Come spring, it's a nice idea for me to come back out and I can make sure in a simple evaluation, just like we did, that your home's ready for summer. Can I give you a call next spring? What would you say? Uh, I'd say, I mean, I'd be all in. I'd be all for it. Yeah. Why, why not? Yeah. And so then I come, I come out in the spring. And I go through the simple evaluation again, 20 or 30 minutes. It doesn't take long. And then I ask you, gosh, when we spoke last, Jared, you mentioned your kitchen. Now, I know we just did the other project, but you thought about the kitchen. And I did this with a contractor in in Boulder, Colorado. And about 90% of the people would say, you know, thanks for asking, but, you know, we're not ready to move forward. And I said, great, just wanted to check in. But the kicker was the other 10% would say, you know, we have been thinking about it. And what comes about is because you're in the right place at the right time. And if they're looking for a kitchen, if there's some kind of, any kind of design work, then it's easy to say, would it be helpful if I just came out and we did some conceptual drawings? Because now you can say, well, here's the next step. So all I'm doing is trying to position myself to assist people and because we're in the right place at the right time, it generates these conversations. And I'm not waiting for the phone to call because I'm doing one or two visits a year at your home because I've taken notes, not only about the service items, but about your wish list. I'm checking in. And when I can check in, then I know what's coming up. You know that I've got an understanding of your home. You know that as I come to do these seasonal visits, that I'm taking care of the to-do list. And after two or three of these visits, you just start putting together a list because you know I'm coming. So it just develops a relationship 
that you want with your best clients, but it also creates peace of mind. And the reality of this is once that peace of mind is in place, why would they call anybody else? And the answer is they usually don't. Yeah. Well, and, and also we haven't hit on this that much, but talk about just a raving fan referral from those clients for uh, other people that, you know, are new and want to talk to somebody. I'm sure that they would just uh, wholeheartedly give you five-star reviews through and through all of these past clients that you're doing this for. You know, and nobody's doing it. That was the irony of all this is we all have this approach, which is thanks. Enjoyed working with you. You know, Jared, call me when you need help. We've already, we've built the relationship. We've made the first sale. You know, why are we walking away versus, you know, maintaining that relationship and kind of a related note is if you think of a doctor and dentist, they can sell their practice because of their client list. And if I go one step further with this home evaluation, imagine doing this twice a month. You know, oftentimes contractors do 30 or 40 projects a year. So imagine I end up doing this evaluation uh, 25 times a year, twice a month. Let me ask you a question, and you can, we can cue this up because this is where it gets interesting. If I'm working with you, and are you married, Jared? No. All right. So if I'm working with you on your house and uh, I'm doing the annual service work and you've seen the response, you've seen the benefit, it's not only service work because depending on the age of the home, I may also be doing component replacement. So think of uh, roofing, siding, exterior paint. Um, depending on the age of the home, I can also begin to look at energy efficiency. You know, what's your annual heating and cooling bill? And if you're familiar with energy audits, you know, beginning to address insulation, air sealing, potentially upgrading windows on an older home, potentially upgrading the HVAC system. Because these things not only make financial sense, but they can increase the value of the property because they're appropriate. It's appropriate work. If clients are over 55 or 60 years of age, we can introduce aging in place recommendations. So the question is this, over a 10-year period, and I'm kind of relating this back to you know the HVAC model, the service model, over a 10-year period, if I'm doing service work annually, if I'm doing, in addition, component replacement, in addition, potential energy efficiency upgrades, potential aging in place recommendations and remodeling over a 10 year period, potentially what could be the revenue that those five opportunities could offer over a 10 year period, service work, component replacement, energy efficiency, aging in place and remodeling for a house in Austin over 10 years, potentially what would the potential sales be? Um, I mean, I, I'm going to take that as a hypothetical, but I think it's a, a really powerful illustration you're making there. I mean, that's something that I have never really thought about before and looked at. Well, the, and the, the HVAC contractors get it. And so usually when I do this and somebody says, gosh, you could easily be, you know, hundred grand over 10 years. Yeah. And I'm saying, great, great. Cause we did that 25 times a year. Yeah. Then what you're adding, you're potentially adding 2.5 million 
two-year pipeline every year you do this. So 25 clients in year one, 50 in year two, 75, 100. Imagine in five years having 100 of these home evaluations and the work that you're going to develop and the pipeline that you're building. Yeah. And you begin to see that that's proactive diversification. Yeah. And, and so go ahead. Well, and at a higher profit margin from what, what you had said earlier. You're dead on because at this point, it's not cost driven. This is now, it's a service. It's a trusted service. And I could even ask you the best example I can think of. Do you have a mechanic that you work with there in Austin? Somebody that you like and trust? Yeah, I'm particular. I'm a mechanic. I've got my guy that I, I go back to time and time again. Is he the cheapest? No, I'm sure he's not. And does it matter? No, I, no, you're, you're definitely onto something. I mean, it's a, it's a trust driven relationship for sure. And once we can do this, we can do the same thing. And guess what? In the event of the next downturn, which is when it's not if, right. That if people pull some of the larger projects off the table in the last downturn in 2008, people maybe didn't buy new cars, but they serviced their cars. They took care of it. They still went to the doctor. They still went to the dentist because it was required. So in the same thing with someone's home, they may not remodel the kitchen, but they're still going to do the repairs. They're going to do needed component replacement. They're going to take care of the property. So to me, this is simple economic diversification. Make sure that you're creating two, three, or four potential income streams because if one goes down, something else will go up. So this is about building those relationships. And really what I'm introducing is recurring revenue into my business model. Yeah. Well, I think this is, it'll be interesting to see if for, for our listeners, this is as eye-opening or if I'm the only, I'm the only fool out there that's been missing this all along. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not, and the reality is it takes a commitment and to a resource to, to putting your attention on doing this and, the economy has been so good the last, you know, five and six years that the contractors I speak to, they say, we can't do the work we're doing now. You know, how can I add on a service model? And all I can say is, look, these kind of things take time. But if you don't do this now, and I literally, because I do some, you know, public presentations, I will ask contractors, what are you doing to prepare for the next downturn? And what do you think the answer is? Uh, probably blank stairs. It, it's nothing. Well, I'm too busy. So it's like, we have to plan for this. This is just effective strategy, which is let me plan for when things slow down, because guess what? This does take some time to put in place. Yeah. But this is just effective strategic planning. I wrote an article earlier this year about how to bulletproof against the next downturn, which we all know is coming. Uh, at some point, I don't mean I don't mean that in a chicken little sense. I just mean it that it yeah, it's an issue of when. And one of the bullet points for me is figuring out how within your core business model to diversify your income. And this is a prime example of exactly what I was trying to articulate. It's an excellent supplementary line of revenue and business that ties in uh, exactly to what you're doing already. You know. And, and can I just repeat one thing I said earlier that, you know, you've done the heavy lifting. You already have that relationship. Yeah. 
And I thought in my own business, why am I walking away versus, you know, putting the time and effort in to maintain that relationship? It's really kind of a no-brainer, but guess what? It takes a commitment on the business owner's part to do this.